welcome back to the Troop Leader Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and if you're new here, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Around here, we talk about Girl Scouts and how to be high-impact troop leaders, and sometimes we get to do interviews with either other professionals who work with kids or who work outdoors or who may have any other contribution that might help us as troop leaders. And sometimes we have solo episodes where it's just me and I share kind of my thoughts or my research or some things that are going on in the Girl Scout world. And this week I, so sometimes uh, I will do some really research heavy episodes. I'll sit and I will have all these sources and I'll put all this research together and it's basically like writing a research paper and then sharing it via podcast. And sometimes I just don't have the bandwidth for that. So I started this thing last year where I put it out there like, hey, if we were going to sit down and have coffee together and you could just pick my brain about anything related to Girl Scouts, what would you want to talk about? And uh, I get really, really good questions whenever I ask that. So since since I first started that last year, I've asked a couple of times and I get some pretty good questions. And I actually haven't asked in a in a couple months, but I did get two questions that are really, really good that I haven't had a chance to address that I really want to talk about. One is a new question and one was asked a while ago and I just haven't had a chance to address it. So today's episode, we're going to try to tackle both of these questions in this episode. So the first question is from Donna and she gave a lot of information here. So I'm not going to read the whole thing, but basically she was sharing that there was another um, site or another Facebook group maybe where there was a big debate going on about what it means to create an inclusive space for Girl Scouts. So some people were advocating that an event like Me and My Guy is exclusive because it leaves out the girls who don't have a male figure in their lives to bring to an event like that. Um, And some people were saying in direct opposition to that idea of inclusivity that like offering hiking is okay, even if you have a Girl Scout in your community or in your troop who's in a wheelchair because they can find alternative activities for that girl. And Donna then went on to share some of her thoughts, um, basically that there's lots of opportunities for all members of Girl Scouts to be involved in multiple activities and to have a really full experience. Regardless of all kinds of different circumstances, there are some activities for everyone, which makes it inclusive as a whole. And then we don't need to ensure that every single activity includes every single girl member, um, knowing that every activity is as inclusive as you can possibly make it. And then she wanted to know my thoughts. So I want to share my thoughts. And I I, um, I don't remember getting this question, but I'm kind of surprised I didn't, um, didn't address this earlier. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Donna, for your several week wait. But I, I, I do have a lot of thoughts about this. And I think this is very, very tricky. Okay. Um, at the end of the day, I think if you are planning an event for your troop that you know is leaving out a girl who can't participate in that activity, I think that's exclusive. So if you know you have girl a girl who's really close to her dad and she wants to plan some kind of dad-related activity 
but you know you have a girl in your troop who absolutely doesn't have anybody that she'd be able to bring to an event like that and i and so the me and my guy thing that is a already an inclusive supposed to be inclusive spin on uh my dad and me type of event right um a daddy daughter quote unquote event um generally speaking people have shied away from daddy daughter specific events even at school because uh it it can cause some exclusivity for people who don't have father figures in their life. So by expanding it to say me and my guy, it's any male figure. So it could be a brother, an uncle, a family friend. Um, it could be a coach. It could be a stepfather. It could be literally anybody um, who is like a male figure in um, a girl member's life, right? That comes with her to the event or participates with her in the event. Some people will do my grown-up and me, so it can be any grown-up. That's part of their life. Um, any kid who's part of Girl Scouts, most likely, unless they're part of like a program that is like a community program, they have an adult in their life of some kind, right? So you could do my grown-up and me as an alternative if you know there's somebody who doesn't have a guy in their life to bring. Now, here's the thing. I do think we can go a little bit off the deep end of trying to make sure that it includes every possible circumstance. So if you're planning something specifically for your troop, hopefully you know the members of your troop well enough to at least have conversations with their families to make decisions and with them to make decisions about what's going to be inclusive to all the girls in your troop. If you're planning service unit wide, then you should be working with the troop leaders in your area to make sure that you're being inclusive for all of the girls in your service unit. And if you're planning council wide, you couldn't possibly know in which case, yes, you want to lean toward trying to be as inclusive as possible in a grand scale event like that. You want it to be something that could be accessible for any girl member of Girl Scouts to participate in. So at the same time, I think that, you know, we've talked about this a little bit with holidays even, where, you know, should you hold your troop meetings in a church? Should you have a Christmas party? Should you have call it a holiday party, but have anything that represents Christmas, like Christmas-themed wrapping paper or a Christmas tree or even, um, like, common representation like bells and angels and things like that? Um, that usually are directly tied to the Christian base of Christmas. Um, so what I've said about that, and I'll say this again, is if every single girl in your troop celebrates Christmas and you know that for a fact, then having a Christmas party is not unreasonable. Holding your troop in a church, holding your troop meetings in a church, which I want to go ahead and, and say before you get defensive, my troop met in a church. And if I was going to do it again, I would not meet in a church. Um, I I loved the place where we met. It wasn't my church. I don't go to church personally. Um, but I loved the relationship we had with the family who ran the church. I loved, they were really, really good to us. They let us have storage space. They let us do cookie pickup there. They um, they really let us do pretty much anything we needed to do. And we had a very, very good trusting relationship with them. So it was a very good experience. And also the space was free for us to use, which was just so 
valuable. We had a full kitchen we had access to. We had multiple bathrooms we had access to. We had open grass for doing outdoor activities. We had playground equipment. We had access to pretty much everything you could want. We also had multiple room spaces where we could divide the girls into small groups or into different levels because I had a multi-level troop. There was so much about it that was great and that's why we did it. But looking back, there is definitely some exclusive aspects to meeting in a church as far as recruitment goes. And honestly, it's not just girls who might not be Christian who might not be comfortable at a church. It's also girls who may have experienced religious trauma or girls whose um, caretaker has experienced religious trauma. They may not be comfortable coming to a church. So all of those things or dropping their girl off at a church, even though church wasn't part like churchy things weren't part of our um, troop activities at all. It was literally in a church and also we met in a room that had, you know, decor and a chalkboard that sometimes had um, not our lessons on it or whatever, not our meeting information, but like lessons from Sunday school or something that were present on the board. So that messaging was still in the room, even if it wasn't part of our activities. So anyway, so from like an inclusivity standpoint, that is something I wouldn't do again. I wouldn't meet in a church. Uh, now, if you have a religious-based group like your group is four girls who attend this church or if they attend a private school and your troop is specific to girls who attend that school and the private school is related to a specific religion then those would be circumstances where meeting in a place of worship makes sense but otherwise i would meet in a neutral space just because from a recruitment even if all the girls currently in your troop are okay with it and their families are okay with it it doesn't leave you in a place to be inclusive for other girls to join so that's where that like kind of comes into play um but a christmas party if you know every girl present celebrates christmas if you know every girl in your troop community every family celebrates christmas and the girls are excited about christmas and they love christmas and they have good feelings about christmas there's no reason not to have a christmas party if you don't know then it's better to have a holiday party or an end of year party or a winter party, right? If you are, or a mid-year party, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> it could be winter themed if you want, right? You can have snowmen, you could have snowflakes, you could have ice skating. You could, We've talked about this on the podcast before, and maybe I'll do a replay uh, in the coming weeks since it is holiday season of that episode. But there's so many things you can do that are still seasonal without actually tapping into holidays, right? Um, similarly, if you know every single girl in your troop is Jewish, you could um, celebrate Hanukkah or any other Jewish holiday, right? But if you don't know for a fact, then like best to just stay away from holidays. And we talked about this in the other episode as well, but you could do some learning about holidays in general, holidays across multiple cultures or holidays across your troop. What does what do people do? What what are their cultures like? What kind of holidays do they celebrate? What food do they eat? What are some of their traditions? You could explore a lot of things like that um, if you want and try to be inclusive that way. I think that with regard to, again, if I was going to plan an event for my troop that was that I knew every single girl has a dad or a dad figure in their life that they would think of as a dad, um, then there's no problem with having a dad, a dad daughter event. If if I'm not positive that all the dads would 
be involved or would be available to show or are part of an active part of their lives, a my guy and me might be safer. Um, <laughs> and most likely there's some guy. I do think that it's a little bit asking, asking a lot to expect like, that there's a girl member who has no guy in their life they could possibly invite. You may have to make suggestions about men that they might include. Again, uncles, grandfathers, um, family friends, neighbors, coaches, uh, even their pastor, you know, whatever. Like, um, <laughs> somebody, somebody in their life who's male. It seems like asking a lot that that person that would have no men no male figure in their life but if you know for a fact that there's a girl who has no male figure in her life yeah you should adapt it you should that otherwise that's being blatantly exclusive for sure if i'm planning something service unit wide i definitely think a my guy and me is exclusive or is inclusive enough i really do um I, again it service unit events are not for everybody anyway. If you don't want to attend, you don't have to. It's not required. It's not part of it. Um, it's different than like being excluded from your troop experience. So um, now I wouldn't attend a service unit event as a troop if you knew not all the girls could participate in it. That definitely would suck. So um, I would check on that um, and, and not participate in something if you know it's not going to be accessible and inclusive to your girls. Um, and then as far as hiking and um, having a Girl Scout in a wheelchair. Okay, so first of all, I'm going to say inclusivity and accessibility are two different terms. So accessibility means it's accessible to everybody and somebody might choose not to participate. Inclusivity means you're going out of the way to make sure every single person's included, right? And those are not like dictionary definitions. That's totally just off the cuff. But I think accessibility is um, um, pretty much a must. Like it needs to be accessible to your whole troop. If a troop chooses not, or um, if a girl or their family chooses not to participate, that's their choice, but it needs to be accessible to them and you should go out of your way to make sure it's accessible. I honestly think if you have a troop that has a girl who uses a wheelchair and you intentionally plan activities that you know she cannot participate in, I think that's blatantly making your troop inaccessible. Um, now, that is a little bit complicated because obviously outdoor programming is a really huge part of Girl Scouts and planning accessible outdoor programming makes things even more complicated for those of us leaders and volunteers who don't really know a lot about outdoor programming in the first place. We're learning right alongside with the girls and we're trying to do the best we can. So I acknowledge it's hard. Like, let me go ahead and say, I acknowledge it's hard. How do, if you have girls who really want to hike and you have a girl in a wheelchair, how do you plan that? Now, there are hikes that are more accessible than others. So maybe you plan a hike on a smooth paved um, route that has um, no incline or decline that would be inaccessible to a wheelchair user, right? Like maybe, maybe that's what it looks like. Um, and a really good tip for that is to talk to her parent or guardian about what some alternatives and options might look like. Like, Hiking is a really common, there's a hiker badge, like hiking is a really common part of um, the Girl Scout programming. Um, but it's really important to me that everything we plan as a troop is super accessible for all of the girls in our troop. 
do you have suggestions of like alternative related? Can we work on this together? Is this something we could could talk through that would make sense? Because we're not going to plan an activity that is blatantly inaccessible to your daughter, period. Like that, I mean, <laughs> um, that just doesn't make sense. And similarly, when you go camping, then you're going to ensure that you're planning at accessible, you're planning your trips at accessible um campgrounds you're going to ensure that if you are driving the girls in a you know 12 passenger van that it's an ex- a wheelchair accessible van etc 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 there is no there is no acceptable um version of this in my opinion where you have a girl in your troop that you intentionally exclude um even if you're like, well, there's other things she can participate in. I say that all the time when girls can't make it to an event. That's different than the event not being accessible to that girl, right? And it is also different than when you make something specific to an age level. Like, this is only for juniors and above because that's what Girl Scout rules say. That's what the rules of the facility say. And that's what um, the, you know, that that's what the event is is for it's going to be only for juniors and up um that's not inherently being exclusive unless you only have one girl member who's not a junior and above if you only have one girl member who's a brownie and everybody else is a junior and a cadet then yeah you shouldn't plan any activities that only include juniors and above now you could plan activities that only include cadets and then you could plan something else that includes brownies and juniors. But if you only have one girl who's getting excluded, like, then it's not a matter of, well, it's just the rule about age level. No, then that brownie needs to be in a brownie troop, right? She's part of your troop and she needs to be included. So I hope you can kind of see where I'm coming from with, like, nuance here. I don't think it's easy. I'm not trying to say it's easy. And if you've messed up on inclusivity or accessibility, I'm not saying you're a bad person. I I am assuming you are trying to do the best you can to plan fun, engaging activities for the girls in your troop. And accidentally, you may have caused a situation at some point or you may in the future cause a situation at some point or contribute to a situation or not have thought of something that um, is a problem for um it being accessible to one of the girls in your troop that causes hurt feelings for the girl or her family right like that could happen but i'm gonna assume that you're doing the best you can we're all doing the best we can um and also there's not like a black and white right answer here which is clear from the fact that you said there's like a big debate going on on this other page which was weeks ago so it's not current so all of that being acknowledged I feel like doing the best you can, not intentionally being exclusive, also kind of considering the differences between inclusivity, exclusivity, and accessibility is really important. I think that um, being inclusive is more about trying to make sure that people are represented, that everybody has opportunities to participate, that everybody can have a full experience and that everybody feels welcome and validated and equal, equitable participants. Accessibility is making sure that every girl has access to a full experience. Every girl has access to be a full member of the troop. And if there is a girl in your troop who does not have access to the things you're doing, that's a bigger, that's a bigger problem. Um, and also accessibility doesn't just have to look physical. So uh, kind of like I was saying about meeting in a in a church, I think that meeting in a church is not accessible for 
some people because there are people who are not Christian who would be fine meeting at a church because it's not a church related activity that they don't mind. Um, I had a, a family who primarily identified as Jewish, um, although I think they would identify more on the Jewish <laughs> scale, but they primarily identified as Jewish and they were very good friends of the family who ran the church that we we met at and they were perfectly comfortable having Girl Scouts in a building that was technically a church building. It, they didn't mind. The girls were pretty young. So to me, they didn't express that they minded. The The parents and I had conversations that they didn't mind. Um, But to be fair, whether the girls minded or not wasn't actually really like something that I discussed with them. Um, But as far as I could tell, they were OK with it. But for some people, going to a church is inaccessible, it makes that troop inaccessible. And if the only Girl Scout opportunity in your community is your troop and it's inaccessible to some people, then that's problematic, right? So if you don't have a girl in your troop who uses a wheelchair, you don't have to have a wheelchair accessible van. You don't have to meet at a, um, a campsite that's accessible for wheelchair users. You don't have to... Um, do hikes that are accessible for wheelchair users. You can just plan what's going to work for the girls who are present in your troop. However, if a girl wants to join who uses a wheelchair, then yeah, you're going to have to adapt. So I was in a sorority in college, um, which I've talked a little bit about on here, um, was a service-oriented sorority called Omega Phi Alpha. And we had uh, this tradition in our local group where we we met at the specific restaurant. It was a tradition that had been going on for more than a decade, which isn't very long in sorority terms, but my uh, sorority happened to be only about a decade old, um, a little more than a decade old in my university, not nationwide, but at my university. It had only been there for a little more than a decade. So since its inception, it was a tradition to go to this specific restaurant. Like girls had been going to this restaurant for this specific event and whatever um, since like it came to my college. We had a girl who joined a couple years below me who um, used a wheelchair and when we arrived at this restaurant for this tradition, which we had done every year I had been in it, every semester that I had been in it as part of this this event, this tradition, we showed up there with her for the first time and realized there were literally zero tables that were accessible by wheelchair, which is also insane to me. Like, I mean, this was years ago, but how is that even legal? Even, you know, 15 years ago, how was that legal? But um, we didn't even realize it before she was part of our group because everybody it was accessible to everybody who was in attendance once we had someone who primarily her primary mode of getting around <laughs> of mobility was in a wheelchair she's not like a full-time well I don't know how to define that but she technically could get out of her chair and and walk but she was a full-time wheelchair user at the time um she could not she could not get to a table so we couldn't eat there and yes it was a tradition that we loved and it was something that was part of our history but you know what's more important than all of that 
the human who was one of our sorority sisters. Like, duh. Like, we would rather have dinner with her than have dinner without her at this restaurant, right? So that um, just kind of try to have that mindset about the girls that are in your troop. Like, if they can't make it to an event, that's one thing. Um, but if they can't be, if they can't access the event, that's a different thing, right? Okay. So anyways, that's my thoughts. Um, and yeah, I think knowing every activity is as inclusive as we can make it. That's that's what you had said, Donna. And I think like, yeah, we do the best we can. We do the best we can. And um, we try to make sure there's opportunities for girls to have all kinds of experiences. And um, if there's girls who really want to go hiking, um, maybe it's not an official troop activity, but maybe you could uh, let them know that if they want to hike um, outside of the troop hikes that are accessible to a wheelchair user, if they want to go hiking um, outside of that with their family or whatever other communities they're a part of, that they could get, you know, do a mileage tracker or something like that. And there could be some kind of individual like, cool, we support you and, you know, whatever. But there are ways that you could specifically do accessible hikes as a troop, right? So encourage girls to hike outside of the troop if that's what they want to do. But inside the troop, we only do accessible hikes because one of our troop sisters is a wheelchair user. And so she needs to be able to access the trail. That's not asking a lot. Okay, so the other question that I wanted to talk about on today's episode is from Tabitha. And this is a new ish question. Um, I'm recording this a few weeks before it comes out. So I guess this is also a few weeks old now. But so there's a brand new question at the time that I'm recording this. So Tabitha, again, it's a bit of a longer question. But Tabitha said she's a second year volunteer, first year co-leader. Um, and she is working with second year daisies. So, um, one thing that she noticed last year is that cookie booths were really, really, really tough with daisies. And she said her daughter specifically is a go-getter when it comes to setting big goals, but she really struggled with cookie booths last year. Um, so she said, please, please, please share ideas for newbies out there to keep these younger kiddos happy and involved and engaged at booths. I'm trying to be optimistic, but honestly, booths were horrible with the daisies present after the first hour last year. And now with an all daisy troop, I need help. I see the importance of the booth experience and hope to offer each girl at least one session of booth time this year. Um, and then she did ask more, but I'm going to start with this. So Tabitha, <laughs> it sounds like last year you were part of a multi-level troop and this year you have a daisy specific troop. So the first thing I'm going to say is it's going to be better with all daisies. I, it is because if you had older girls who had, especially if they had sold cookies before at last year's booths, they probably just did it and that left the daisies without a lot to do. So when you only have daisies who are kind of on an equal playing field, that's going to help. Another thing is you said she's hard to keep involved for more than 40 minutes and I'm going to say yes. Yes, it's really common to break up booth shifts into one hour shifts when you have daisies, which is longer than 40 minutes. So you could do a half an hour if you needed to. But I think an hour is actually going to be OK. I think you're going to find it's actually OK. Um, another tip that I have is don't overstaff your booth. So you have guidelines and rules in your council, so you have to follow those. But if possible, if it's allowed, only have two girls at a time 
only have two daisies at a time and then have them switch out at the hour and um and you can go from there i've had some daisies who powered through multiple hours of booths who we had back-to-backs and they wanted to stay and they loved it um and i've had daisies who definitely got tired of it and tired in general and they weren't necessarily into it there's no wrong way to do it scheduling them for an hour and allowing them to potentially stay if it's right for your group is fine um but in general i would say try not to overstaff and um how busy the location is is also going to make a difference so if you're in a location and this is easier when you've done a bunch of booths but if you're in a location that's very slow it's going to be tough that's going to be a, a tough time to keep your daisy amused standing there in uniform staring at cookies she can't eat for an hour <laughs> so and especially if you do the full two hours um yeah that's that's tough on a daisy so in that case, um, you're definitely going to want to have some activities or some things for them to do. But for the most part, you want to try to have daisies at those busier booths because then they're going to be busy helping customers or at least asking people and they're going to have stuff to do. Some things that they can do um, to help pass time, you can have some like poster board uh, even smaller poster, the smaller cuts of poster board or like get a poster board and cut it in half so that you can have like many more or even quarters. So you can have many more. Have them make signs like bring markers and have them design signs while they're sitting there. You could have them make up chants um, and even make up chants and dances if it's allowed at the location that you're at. There are some locations that require like um, if you're indoors, sometimes you have to uh, monitor your volume and your activity. So if you're at like an indoor booth that has rules, then you'll have to take that into consideration. But if you are just at a regular booth, most booths, it's going to be fine that they could be making up some kind of chant or song and a cookie dance, right? Um, we have also had girls count. That's like definitely something you can do. They can count the number of packages by flavor they like what's left of their inventory they can reorganize the table they can reorganize the back stock of inventory they can um they could count money now this is going to be tricky for safety purposes like generally speaking you don't want to just have the money out in public like with a six-year-old kind of like watching it or or handling it with like just a bunch of people around so you would never do that at like a busy location where there's tons of people milling about but if you haven't seen a person in 40 minutes of your hour <laughs> and you can be right there with the girl right like hand next to her hand and like managing the money then that might be safer um maybe you only give her change to count and not actually the like bulk of the bills and i say this not because i don't trust the kit but because it's dangerous um and because if you lose the money that's your responsibility which is a whole mess so like you know um you could bring fake money like monopoly money and have them practice counting money that way you can um pretend you're the customer and have them practice asking you and you can also practice giving them objections and like teaching them what or asking them questions and teaching them kind of how to respond so that's like an activity you could do you could bring other types of badge work you could bring coloring pages um depending on how slow the booth is i would not have a daisy sitting at a booth coloring at a busy location please don't do that if the location is busy she needs to be boothing <laughs> like she needs to be asking customers if they want to buy cookies or stocking the table 
table or like being an active participant in the booth, right? I'm just thinking I've been at some booths that were very slow and that is tough. It's tough even when the girls are older. It's really tough when they are little. So um, so those are kind of some things you can do. Um, but generally, I would say you want to have them doing things that are going to look good optically for any potential customers that walk by not just potential customers as in they might buy cookies but potential customers as in like the general public because we want to give a good brand perception of who girl scouts are and what they do at especially at cookie booths to the general public and especially especially to any be any people who work at the store so you always want to make sure that whatever the girls are doing if an if the manager came out or if any of the employees walk by that they are going to see the at a place of business right that they're going to see the girls behaving or preparing in a way that is not only a good reflection of Girl Scouts, but is a good reflection of their business. So they shouldn't be climbing on things. Um, even with the like coming up with a song and a dance, like that's something to kind of take into consideration is just making sure that we're always coming, like approaching it from a place where if the manager came out to visit, she would think or he would think, oh, this is really sweet and cute and I love your song and you guys are so smart and impressive and I'm so glad to have you here and not come out and be like, oh my God, you are so loud and annoying and you're all over the place and I can't have Girl Scouts here anymore, <laughs> right? So um, so always kind of having that that kind of mindset. So for little girls, that those are some of my recommendations. Um, but yeah, keep the keep the booth short if they're having trouble focusing. But also I think it'll be cool for you to see the difference, first of all, of having an all-daisy troop and second of all, of having um, second-year daisies because already second-year daisies is going to be a much bigger improvement over the um, patience and the focus of first-year daisies. And then Tabitha also asked, and I didn't notice this, so I'm just adding this. How do the pop-up and non-commercial booths work in practicality? I'm guessing the driveway version will be a better option for us, but not sure how to go about it. So I think when you mention driveway booths, I think that you're mentioning like in your driveway, setting up like a lemonade stand style booth. And... You definitely want to check with your council about all of these things, pop-up, non-commercial, driveway, like you want to know what your council's rules and expectations are around any of those things. The practicality of it is definitely council specific. So I'm going to answer this, but also make sure you are following your council guidelines and rules. So um, in your own driveway, which is like a lemonade stand style booth, um, usually if it's on your own private property, that can be one girl and one adult. An adult does have to be present with her. Don't ever leave a girl with inventory and money by herself. Um, but you have to be on your own private property. So your own driveway or, um, right in front of your house on like property that's technically yours. You can't be on your neighbors. You can't be on like city land, something like that. You can't do that. It has to be yours. Um, if it's like, grandmas or a family friend who happens to live somewhere that's good obviously if you have permission from them to do it that would be acceptable um most of the time so so yeah so there's that too um and honestly it depends on what kind of traffic you get in your neighborhood uh as far as if that's gonna be helpful or not uh to kind of hang out in your driveway 
I know some girls in my council, their driveway actually faces like more of a main road and um, they're not necessarily in like a cul-de-sac or just in a neighborhood. They're like their house actually faces um, not necessarily like a scary road, but like a main road. And that's probably going to get more traffic, I would think. Uh, and putting up like big signs or flags or something like that, that could get people's attention. That could work. Um, but most likely those are going to be more quiet unless you're able to like advertise to your neighborhood that she's going to be set up at your address on this day. Um, so again, the rules and regulations on that are going to depend on your council of how much you can or cannot do that. Um, and that's to keep it fair. Uh, well, part of the reason why is safety, of course, but part of the reason too is to keep it fair to all the girls who may live in that neighborhood. <clears throat> so check with your council on what you are and aren't allowed to do. Okay. Then, um, non-commercial booths. So I'm thinking again that that means like when you're doing a booth not in a commercial space. So like in front of a store. <laughs> so you can only do it on your own private property or obviously with permission. If you're at like a park or something like that, which is not commercial property. So technically, I believe it's never allowed for you to just show up unplanned to like a park and set up a booth. You usually can do a walkabout at a booth or in a parking lot or in a parking garage. You usually can do that unless it's against the rules of the parking garage, right? Like because a parking garage might be private property. So then you'd have to have permission. But um, if you're walking around a park, usually you could walk about. Now, um, technically, your council has selling permits for everywhere within your city. So if it's a city park, technically, your council has the permits for you to be doing that. However, if a police officer tells you you have to leave, don't fight them, right? Like, we always want to, and also if your council has told you it's strictly not allowed, then don't do it. But if if your council is okay with it and maybe you'll do it 10 times and nine times, it's totally fine. Nobody bugs you. And then the 10th time a police officer asks you to leave. If a police officer asks you to leave, don't argue with them about it. Don't try to tell them this is why it's okay. Don't tell them I've done this nine other times and nobody else has had a problem with it. Don't tell them technically the council does have the necessary permits to be selling here. Don't argue. Just listen and leave. Um, I think that those kind of scenarios, um, it's always best to be respectful, to make a good impression for the sake of the organization, and to um, always just be mindful of like, how does this look from a branding perspective? And how do we maintain like the best possible um, relationship with our city to move forward? And then um, for pop-up booths, so I think this is kind of similar, like at places that aren't necessarily in front of a store, but a Girl Scout booth is there. You need permission to be anywhere you have a booth. So, and it probably needs to be on file with your council. Like you have to submit it for approval anywhere you're going to have a booth. So I don't think any of them truly are like surprise pop-ups except maybe in your driveway um but they might seem like that right like um maybe you're at a craft fair or something like that but you would have to either purchase the space at the craft fair or you would have to 
you know, see if you could get it donated. And then you would have to submit it to your council for approval before you could be there selling cookies, right? So, um, so I hope that's what you mean. I'm not really sure entirely um, where else you might pop up. And then the other thing I want to just say before I wrap this up for the day is um, when you say driveway version, I'm assuming you mean in your own driveway, but it's also possible you're referring to like a drive through booth, which is where you set up a booth either in a parking lot or on a curb where people can drive up and they don't actually get out of their car to purchase inventory and you sell through a window. This is really a lot more common in councils that have crazy weather during their cookie booths. So some people will even set up like a drive through like tent scenario or some kind of like covered situation where people can um, uh, drive up to the tent or drive through a tent and uh, if you can get one with enough clearance and um, and you sell in weather that way and your ponchos and your winter coats and your rain boots and whatever else, right? <clears throat> so that's kind of common in some of those places. Now, in some councils, this is absolutely not allowed. It's absolutely prohibited. And in some councils, it's really not necessary because like in my council, um, well, not in all of my councils, some of my council gets winter weather, but um, in the valley and in, in the Phoenix area, we don't really get weather, <laughs> like at least not during cookie season. We have monsoon season in the summer, but like uh, it's very rare to have even light rain at a booth, let alone snow. We don't get snow. Um, and even rain is very, very uncommon. I've had some rain booths, but it's pretty rare. And our rain booths are not going to really be comparable to rain booths in other parts of the country. So a drive through booth is less necessary, but it's kind of cool for like the novelty of it if it's allowed in your area, even if you don't need to do it, but that's also like a common thing. So um, the practicality of that, I have never done one, but basically, um, again, you have to be somewhere that you have permission. You have to have submitted it to council for your council for approval and, and record tracking. And then <clears throat> basically, instead of setting up in front of the front doors of that business, you would set up like in the back of their parking lot or along um, a sidewalk where people could pull up um, without it being disruptive to the business. So, and you'd have to get, talk to the store manager about it, make sure that you guys are on the same page and um, that you have a plan. Make sure girls are obviously out of the way of traffic. They should never be in a position that they would be exposed to get run over by a car or even hit by a car. Like that would be terrible. Um, so definitely make sure that they're always um, set up in a way that logistically like the girls are safe. Um, yeah. And <clears throat> like leaning into or out of cars or accepting things from inside someone's car or something like that. Like there's some complications with that around safety. And all of those are reasons why it may not be allowed at your council. But that's also like another type of booth. So you might have been asking about that. Um, so anyway, those are the questions for today's episode. I hope that this was helpful. If you want to ask me a question and hear me answer it on a podcast episode, the best ways are either to comment in the Facebook group. So it's facebook.com slash Girl Scout podcast. And that's the page. So then you can follow the page and then there's a button to join the group there. Or it's just facebook.com slash groups slash Girl Scout podcast. That's also an option. If you're not on Facebook, then the easiest way is to send me an email. And that's girlscoutpodcast at gmail.com. 
And yeah, I would love to have you on as a guest as well. So if you have thoughts about any of these topics or any other, you just want to share some of your favorite experiences as a troop leader or a Girl Scout volunteer or a staff member, I would love to share your story and your experiences and the lessons you've learned and some of your favorite memories. There's absolutely no pressure. You could be brand new. You could be long term. You could work with any age of girls. You could... um, you know, there's no there's no like restriction on how experienced you have to be. We've had guests um, all across all of the different like walks of life in Girl Scouting. And um, and I'm be excited to talk to you about your experience. And it's super low key, right? We're just going to geek out about Girl Scouts and talk about what your experience has been like, what obstacles you've had to overcome, what some of your favorite memories are, what are some of the cool adventures that you've done or are planning. And um And yeah, what advice you have for other troop leaders? We're all in this together and nobody should have to recreate the wheel alone. So that's what we're doing here. So if that sounds fun to you, definitely reach out to me, either Facebook or email girlscoutpodcast at gmail.com. And let's get you scheduled for an interview because I'd love, love, love to meet you and to talk to you. It's been so fun every single time I record an interview, I get off the, the call and I tell my husband, I loved them. I had so much fun. And he always says, yes, I'm shocked. You love your podcast and you love your podcast people so I want to talk to you and if you've been a guest on the show before but not in a little not in a few months um, or in a few years then we definitely need to have you back on because you've had so many more memories since then and there's so much more you could share so come back on the show and let's keep talking about it okay I love you so much for listening and I'll talk to you soon 